A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So, whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You're listening to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny C. For every week, I'm joined by one very special guest who's here to tell you their story, to tell you something that you might not necessarily know. This week is no different. If you Googled this person, you would see these headlines. Survival of the fittest 2018 star who posed nude in erotic photos. Survival of the fittest star is going to be doing Love Island. But is he? Survival of the fittest star is found suicidal. This is the sensationalism that newspapers do. They're looking to get the big story, but that's not the real person. And that is what I would do on this podcast is give you that real story. So I don't care about if he had an electric stun gun. I don't care if he had cocaine. I want to know about how this person actually feels mentally, not physically. I'm delighted to say that David Lundy joins me on Skillian School. Hello, David. Hello, how you doing, mate? Very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. So, like I said, you know, there's so many news lines about you out there. And a lot of them are negative. There are some positive. How do you take that? I think over the years, obviously, being in kind of obviously starting off in the fitness industry first and foremost. So even before the kind of big boom that is like the Internet and media, social media, and stuff like that, um, I've always had to develop quite a thick skin Um, when you're doing things like fitness modeling um, or, you know, just fitness photo shoots in general, which obviously I did being a personal trainer. You come under the microscope quite a lot just from trolls. There's a lot of jealousy, bitterness, you know, people that, you know, accuse you of being like, you know, oh, he's just, uh, he's on gear or he's doing this. And there's no, you get a lot of trolls because there's, in, in, in all honesty, it's just a lot of jealousy. So I think I've developed quite a thick skin over time anyway. So when this kind of stuff was highlighted in the media, I just sort of took it on the chin. There was times where I was in my darkest days and, you know, there was an element of what it said there were, you know, things like suicidal thoughts. You know, I, I've had those in the past. I've battled with depression. I still, to this day, suffer with social anxiety. I have daily struggles, but in terms of the stuff that's kind of come from the outside of anyone sort of what, what's been said in the media or people that don't really know me, I, I tend just to kind of just bat it off. As a reality star, to have social anxiety must be really difficult because you have to be at every single event. You have to be seen. So it's not even the case of even just going to a party. It's going to the party and being papped and talking to all the journalists and talking to all the other Serbs and it's who have you been seen with? How mm-hmm. do you find that? That was one of the toughest things I found kind of coming off the back of 
doing the show and things like that. It wasn't so much like being thrust into the limelight. And to be honest with you, I kind of tried to take the positive. So I, I loved meeting new people, meeting, I say, fans with a lot of sort of apostrophe quotes. It was really cool to meet different people. And I enjoyed the element of kind of going to different events and not just like kind of obviously mingling with different, different like celebrities or just mingling with different individuals. It was just the fact of, of socialising. Um, and I think that sometimes when you do suffer with social anxiety, you the first thing you want to do is kind of hibernate yourself away. So, I mean, just to give you examples, like my social anxiety has cost me things like jobs I've got myself in such a state I couldn't physically go to the final stage interview or you know it's even stopped me going to you know some events there's been times where I've literally just not you know not felt up to it I've just been like you know what I've had to message my management or whoever it was I was dealing with at the time and just said look I'll be honest with you like my my anxiety is feeling like really bad I just don't feel up to it today but it's a double-edged sword because even I find with my social anxiety once if I do if I can conquer it and I can get through it and make it to that stage I then become David Lundy and I'm the sociable guy. Like, you know, I, I'll talk to anyone. I can talk the back legs off a donkey nine times out of ten. But it's actually physically getting into the venue or, you know, physically getting to the event and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I can breathe. It's it's almost like that build-up for me. It's that it's that initial build-up phase that you don't, unfortunately, always get past. And Survival of the Fittest, which you did do last year, is obviously a TV show. And there are many TV shows out there. But Love Island is that one show where everyone thinks, right, that's the creme de la creme of reality stars. So when mm. you're in a room with those Love Island stars, do you see animosity or dog-eat-dog between the people who have done those other type of reality shows like The Circle, like Survival of the Fittest, compared to if you've done Love Island? Personally, it doesn't bother me. Um, I think there is certain levels of animosity with other people. I, I know from experience and talking to different contestants and people that have done different shows, it's almost like there is a little bit of bitterness that they kind of had to settle for something else. Um, I suppose I can sleep a little bit easier in the fact that I've obviously previously turned down Love Island before, and that was my choice. Why was that? Um, it's a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. So I, I was basically in the process of starting to see someone as I was going through my interview stages. Right. Um, it was one of those ones where I'm not the sort of person to kind of fall quite easily. To be fair, I'm very commitment shy as it is. Um, and as we, I was going through the interview process and then getting towards the basically final decision where it was going to be made, I developed feelings for this individual. Um, and I kind of just gave like the ultimatum to her, whether it's like, are we going to be something serious? If not, then I'm going to go off and do something that I want to do. Um, she turned around and said, no, I want this to be this. And I was like, okay, cool. So I won't go. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out like that. It was an absolute nightmare, to be perfectly honest. Funnily enough, I turned down Love Island for love, which is weird. But yeah, it didn't work out in the end. Um, we only lasted about another six months after that. And then obviously, as soon as we broke up, survival came calling anyway. So it kind of ease the burden a little bit but in regards to the animosity between should we say fellow celebs I do definitely see it sometimes but i think for me because i had the kind of choice and i'd like to think i'm still very normal like at the end of the day like i come from you know i was born in croydon i come from a working class family i think when you come back from those shows probably a good 85 percent of people then think they're something that they're not which is the brutal truth i've been numerously complimented by people who are like wow like you're really normal like you're actually like a very like quite a genuine guy because even on my social media people might sort of think oh you know he's quite posy he's this guy gym guy blah 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 but i like to think that i came back with it and i was still kind of the level-headed person i was when i left so you would have been in it with kevin amber it was that year 2017 yeah, yeah. Was there anyone on that series that you would have thought, do you know what, that's a bit of me, that's who I'd wanted to go for? Do you know what, funnily enough, I didn't really watch that series because obviously after I turned it down, 
the person that I was then with, every time she saw anything like Love Island related, it was just literally like kind of like a ticking time bomb as if to say like, oh, you could have been there. Like there was a lot of, again, animosity from in the relationship, which inevitably caused us to actually break up. So to be honest with you, I didn't really watch it, like even reeling off names now, like apart from a couple of them, I probably wouldn't even know who they were. Um, and this is one always shocks people as well. I don't actually watch that much reality TV. So everyone's always like, yeah, but you've done it. And I'm like, yeah, and I loved it and I enjoyed it. But I don't watch that much telly. I mean, apart from like sticking on Netflix before I go to bed just so I can have something to fall asleep to, I'm always on a move. You know, I'm either working or I'm in the gym or I'm, I'm doing my music. So I don't actually watch that much telly. So I probably wouldn't even really be able to comment. But it's also this. really hard because when you've done a TV show and you know how it works and you know the structure, you can't watch a show without going, look, I can see the director just out of shot i know that line isn't real i know they've said that line mm -hmm. four times now you know the game yeah yeah oh 100 i mean funny enough i caught a glimpse of i can't remember whether it was last year's one or, or whatever it was but I, I sort of caught a glimpse of a situation and you just yeah you can tell what's been sort of staged what's been scripted what hasn't and to be honest with you, like 95% of it, you can just tell has been set up in a certain way. I mean, people are in the, the villa or the lodge or whatever for 24 hours a day. They've got to then cut and edit that into an hour and a bit, you know, top. So, I mean, if you honestly believe that things go down the way they go down just as they happen on telly, like, no, they don't. And how do you find being a reality star? I don't really, like, class myself as a reality star, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, I don't... I kind of still just see myself as, you know... David Lundy, just the the PT, the kind of freelancer guy who just wings his way through 28 years worth of living so far. Um, I just don't take myself seriously enough. Like Even when I went to a lot of these parties, a lot of the time I'd probably leave early because it's just not my scene. Anyone who knows me knows I enjoy my house music and stuff, so I've got kind of that element of it which I always enjoy with a really good group of people and nothing really was going to change that. No amount of like fame would change that, apart from obviously maybe if I was busy and I had to make appearances and things like that, obviously that's slightly different. Being a reality TV star and just enjoyed it while while my shelf life lasted. Okay, so that's your reality star. Let's talk about your body now. Mm -hmm. So the gym means a lot to you. What does it yeah. mean to you? Because obviously you've gone through mental health, as you said at the top of the podcast. Mm -hmm. What's that relationship between going to the gym and your mental health? Yeah, I mean, it's been massive, to be honest. It's actually been, it's a little bit cliche, but it's actually been like one of my saviours. So I always say to people, it's always good to have like an outlet, especially if you do suffer with mental health. So having an outlet, I've actually got two. I, gym was always my first one, and now I've got my music as well. But gym, especially sort of about five, sort of five years ago when I was first diagnosed with a form of depression, gym saved me because it was when I was just getting into, into like the bodybuilding scene and things like that. But when you go to the gym, it's you... You know, it's the eye and it's your headphones. You've got your hour, your hour and a half, and you can just go. You can do what you want to do and, and come out of it feeling sort of 10 times better. I mean, sometimes it's a little bit of a vicious circle because you can go into the gym and have like a bad session as well. And then obviously sometimes that can make you feel slightly worse because you'll be like, oh, you know, it's got the better of me today. And sometimes even like, again, with the social anxiety aspect of it, if you go into a busy gym, sometimes you just don't want to see people. You just don't want to talk to people or things like that. You can kind of get a little bit intimidated at certain aspects. But overall for me, yeah, it was a, I mean, you've got the obvious indoor release which is the, the kind of science behind it but yeah it was a really a really big sort of part of what brought me out of of a really dark place the more attention that i got in regards to when i started doing the bodybuilding and doing the fitness i i was getting into better shape i'd like to think i'm not i'm not not too uh too bad on the eye as well so i started getting a little bit more 
interest on that whole modeling side and it just so happened that at the time money was a major factor because there's a lot more money in the adult industry if you like and it was just put to me that you know you could do well in this because I had a good good shape I had the face for it and I was blessed in other departments for it as well so doing something for potentially going into like a, a gay man's magazine I never had a problem with it because I'm comfortable with my sexuality and I think a lot of people that did have a problem with it are probably actually slightly homophobic which that's on them not not me so I just then kind of just went with it and for me it was just like doing another photo shoot I, I wasn't didn't really find it awkward I've, I've stepped on stage and stuff before and worn like budgie smugglers so I suppose it was quite similar to that but yeah I was just quite confident with my, with my body and the shape that I was in I worked hard to look a certain way so I kind of just took the gamble and, and just ran with it there's that thing with Instagram for example with likes and when you're stripping off and you're completely bare as a girl, it's always easier to get those lines. <laughs> Did you sometimes chase that kind of bodybuilding, the gym, the erotic photos for affirmation that, yes, I am good enough because you've suffered with depression that actually this is a way to make yourself feel good about yourself? I don't think so much with the the like the erotica stuff in terms of the modelling and that kind of thing because, for me, that was more about... It was probably more about money, to be honest, and it was more just about trying something new. But in regards to the whole fitness and the bodybuilding side of things. Yeah, I mean, I was obviously personal training, so that just naturally, with Instagram, uh, sort of like four or five years ago when it first started to build, I, I started to grow quite a big following quite organically just through being in good shape. And yeah, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of females out there now that are pretty much posting next to nothing just so they can get likes and get followers. And then the same with a lot of fitness guys, you know, a lot of their pictures are in the gym, pumped, abs, veins, whatever they want to do. And they know that is going to get followers whether it be men women it's going to get likes again whether it be men women and a lot of the time that's kind of what it's all about and yeah i mean to be honest i probably was a little bit of a sucker for it a few years ago i was kind of all about that but yeah I, I'm, my mindset's completely different towards that sort of stuff now but you're still a reality star in a sense you're still an influencer you've got sixty five thousand mm-hmm. followers on instagram there yeah. must be a chase for those likes for me not really um my engagement massively dropped like last year um obviously with Instagram changing algorithms and doing whatever else they were. And I had like a load of what they call like dormant followers. So people will probably just follow me from the show and then now don't really care anymore, but they haven't unfollowed me. So all of this stuff in regards to how they work out who gets seen the most, I'm probably quite low down with. So, you know, my percentage of likes compared to like what my following is probably isn't that great, but there's just more important things in life to stress about. I mean, I just... But you say that, but... Instagram are going to get rid of that like feature is that not going to change the work that you get because a lot of the work you do is as an influencer and therefore it's you posting on Instagram but the reason why you're getting that work is because of your engagement Mm -hmm. so now that you're not going to have those likes does that mean you're going to actually lose work rather than gain work so honestly I think for me it would be the other way so I know a lot of people who would probably feel in that manner because they again they're the ones doing kind of the stuff that they you know whether it be stripping their clothes off or posting you know and trying to sell things they don't really even use because they know they need to make money or they want to get a paid post and and they need to generate likes but for me um because my social media i mean i I work very closely with a couple of brands but again they're brands that you know they're either gym brands or the stuff that's relatable to me i don't just kind of work with anyone i also don't charge like ridiculous amounts of money because for me it's not like my main revenue stream um so for me to honestly i think it's probably going to go the other way because my as you, you know, if you looked at my page now, for example, like you look at some companies might look at it and go, oh, you know, his engagement's not that great. Um, but I'd rather my page be kind of like real and just raw stuff that I'm doing, companies that I want to work with and not kind of worry too much about, oh, you know, this hasn't got this many likes or, oh, I should have posted at 9pm because then those people are going to be sitting on their phones watching Netflix. Like I've just got more 
I just don't worry about that stuff anymore. Like I used to quite a lot, especially you know certain you know posting at certain times or posting in a a certain way or oh you know should I throw my abs up because I know I'm going to get another couple of hundred likes if I take my top off. I just don't care anymore. You, I think you just you just get to that stage now where you're like you know influencing is great and I meet some new people and I go to like wonderful events and things like that. But I've got other things that I'm concentrating on and I just think that now it, it's just kind of like yeah it's it's sort of second fiddle. So is that you growing up or is that you realising the industry that you're part of? As in, should it be that everyone who is a reality star who's gone on a reality show should realise that or is it the fact that you personally have gone, do you know what, this isn't the life for me now? I think there's an element of both sides of the argument for that one, really. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in both sides. I think some people probably should just kind of relax a little bit and start to realise that, you know... It isn't a be all and the end all if that photo doesn't get as many likes as you wanted it to get or it doesn't reach as many people as you wanted to. I think people become massively, massively obsessed with the elements of social media when it comes to sort of likes and when it comes to, you know, kind of gaining that, I think we touched on it earlier, gaining that recognition from people they don't even know, um, people they probably don't even like if they were to meet them. Um, but then I suppose, I guess I understand the other flip side of the coin where there's that very small percentage of people who you know, their following has boomed, their, their engagement is booming and they're probably making quite a lot of money from doing not a lot. Um, so I can understand that as And well. that's that problem of the affirmation again, that you want to be liked and your way to get liked and that validation is through social media websites and social media accounts. And you will have those, you know, I've got five people that will always Insta, I'll tweet me and like everything that I do and yeah. tell me how amazing I am. And it's like, they're like my fans yeah. i don't know them but yeah. yet you almost get annoyed when they don't like somebody you're like well where are they where's my five fans for you having that affirmation but then also having the gym side the personal training side how does your mind kind of contextualize those different elements of your life so that you don't actually have to get that validation from helping people and for people seeing you that you can just be happy with who you are and what you are i think it comes from within a little bit i think for me personally i get more the thing that stumps me more than actually that kind of thing is the fact that there's a lot of people who would potentially associate themselves with you, call themselves your friend, um, people that know you, but then they'll be the ones that just skip past your content. Even if they like it, they won't like it because it's, oh, you know, he gets enough likes or, oh, you know, it's Dave Lundy. He's just like, he's done another photo shoot. You know, he doesn't, you know, there's a lot. Again, it comes down to that. There's a lot of hidden sort of jealousy and bitterness inside a lot of circles, I find. Um so what amazes me and what kind of aggravates me is just like the lack of support from people you'd kind of expect it from. And I think that's probably the one of the biggest mistakes I made is that I expect a lot from people that I would do for them. And it's not always the way that it works a lot of the time. So rather than, I think that's what I, rather than sort of get obsessed with like random people that I don't really know liking my stuff or like you said, I mean, I've got a few people I can think of now that would like like and comment on every picture that I probably have never met and never will meet. And I just think, wow, like it's amazing. Like it's, they just want to show some love. Um, I get more aggravated at the fact that there's people out there that I've known for like years or people that I would probably call themselves my friends and stuff who probably quite regularly just skip past things and, and won't even chuck a like on it, you know, things like that. Because 2019, the big thing of that year was all about reality shows and that duty of care. I mean, we yeah. saw the end of Jeremy Carl's show. We nearly saw the end of Love Island if it mm. hadn't made ITV so much money. Yeah. Do you think the duty of care actually isn't with, and the problem isn't with those production companies, actually it's the people that you know and the people that you meet. And like you said, your friend actually not being there to support you. And if so, what should we do about that? How can you tell your friends, look, this is what I'm going through, help me? I've actually got a slightly controversial opinion on this, if I'm honest. Um, 
I've obviously been there and done it. I've been through both processes for both Love Island and Survival. You go through a full interview process about yourself. You go through, obviously, a full medical where you actually meet, you know, a psychiatric doctor, things like that, you know, um, high-end stuff. This is not your local GP. This is professionals in the industry. So I always thought... I, I always kind of had ITVs back a little bit when it comes to this sort of stuff because there was always this... Obviously, after the suicides and stuff, obviously, you're gonna it's going to get thrown into the limelight. And obviously, it's tragic. It's awful. Anyone, you know, I've been there where I've had those thoughts. And for anyone to actually go through with that, it must they must literally feel like they have nothing left. And that's it's heartbreaking. Um, but I'll be honest with you. My opinion is that a lot of people that are going for these sort of shows now need to be more honest with themselves. And what I mean by that is that you know if you're putting yourself into a situation that's potentially going to heighten certain levels of anxiety or is something that you're not potentially going to like you know they they ask you when you go on the show you know have you suffered with this or is there anything we should know about that might come out these people need to start being more honest with themselves like we know the hundreds of thousands of people that apply for these shows now probably i would go as far as saying 75 percent of the people probably shouldn't apply for them and they probably know in themselves if they look hard enough and are more honest with themselves they should probably go you know what this probably is going to be kind of detrimental for me at some stage. And I, I mean, I saw it last year and there was like stories of a couple of them kind of coming out with like, oh, you know, I've been struggling with this and struggling with that. And I sympathise with it to an extent because I can understand how they would because it come, you come out and obviously your life does change to a certain certain extent as well. But I think you've just got to, when people are going for these shows, they, they've just got to be honest with, with the producers and be honest with themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, the duty of care could have definitely been a little bit better afterwards. I feel like, when you're finished, that's kind of it. Up until when the stuff with obviously Mike and stuff happened, then funnily enough, we actually all got phone calls from the producers just going, hi, are you, how are you? Like, you know, this was over a year later, them randomly just checking up on us, which obviously has now been put into place because they've had to do something or show they're actively doing something, which is not great really because you, should be, you shouldn't be reacting, should you? you should be proactive in this stuff. So they, they definitely should have done some more afterwards. But yeah, I mean, I, I look around and I see the lifestyles they start to live and all their tr people are trying to live after they've done this sort of stuff. And I just think you've it comes down to the person a lot of the time. I think you've just got to be very, very honest with yourself and admit, you know what, that might not be the best move for me. You know, I'd love to be... A, I've always wanted... You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a footballer. I'd love to... I would have loved to play for Chelsea, but I wasn't good enough. So you just kind of have to accept it. And I think it's kind of a... Quite a similar thing, really. I think you're completely right, and that's why you see a lot of these reality stars then end up bankrupt after because they don't know yeah. how to spend their money. And they, you know, you get a lot of things for free mm -hmm. in the moment, and you get a lot of things sponsored. And then when that stops, that validation stops. And again, it all comes back to validation. Mm -hmm. So, not just Instagram, but the fact you're getting all these freebies, and then that stops. Mm -hmm. Some people don't know how to react to that. And I think you're right. But then, do we not get to a position where we start stigmatizing against mental health in a negative way and go, well, look, you've got anxiety, you've got depression, you shouldn't be doing a show like this, yeah. rather than being open and inclusive of all. Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. And the thing is with me, it's, like you said, it's the other side of the coin, really, because then someone listening might be like, well, you can't do more stuff, uh, more reality TV, or you've gone and done reality TV. And I'm like, yeah, and you know, but I was, even in my medical stuff, I was honest, I said, look, you know, I've suffered in the past. I said, but 
I'm open enough to admit that if I needed to come and speak to anyone, I don't have any medication anymore, things like that, you know. Again, it was all about having an open dialogue. And I think, I guess that's kind of what this is all about. Again, it's the reason why I do the charity work and the reason I always do reach out to people and, you know, my, my especially my male friends and say, look, you know, if you need to talk about anything, let me know and, and, and kind of be in there. Because I think if you can have an open dialogue about it, it, regardless of whatever situation you get yourself put in, whether it's going onto a reality TV show or, going, like I said, going for a job interview that you've worked yourself up around, you can definitely work for it. Um, and then, yeah, I think then there is that element of now that these production companies are now starting to realise that there's going to be, there needs to be a little bit more education as to what you're going to do when you come out. Um, but then again, it's it's down to that person to then listen to that. You know, it, these they, they could run seminars on it. And if the person's not paying any attention and they come out and, you know, they think they're, you know, Charlie Big Potatoes and they're going out every weekend and they're putting what, whatever, you know, in their pockets and drinking and doing recreational drugs that stuff is going to be massively detrimental to your health as well. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely sort of... I think there's just got to be an element of, like, commitment from both sides when you do something as public eye as reality TV. And boys being boys, it's very easy in a scenario where you have a load of boys to just chill and gossip. And it's that banter that you get, which I absolutely love, and there's not enough of it, where boys just bantering about everything. How easy is it for you then to talk about mental health as you've gone through it and actually get your boys to go, look, guys, can we have a serious chat, actually, and not just be silly for once? It's still really tough. I think there's still, like, a massive stigma attached to men and mental health. I still think that there's a lot of work to do to get people to to kind of open up about it. But I think the, the thing that I struggle with a lot of the time is, and I struggled with even before, is that I'm quite happy to talk about my experiences and, and my struggles, but sometimes you can't explain what's going on in your head. And I think the word talk might be the wrong word, but I, I don't know whether it's whether we say just notify someone. Just come and tell me that you don't feel right. I don't need to know what it is I don't because you might not be able to explain it, but just let me know that you're struggling. And I think that rather than... I think people get scared by the word talk because I've been in situations not so long ago where I've, I felt a certain kind of way. And people have said, you know, like, do you want to talk about it? And I'm like, I can't talk about it because I don't know what's going on upstairs right now. Like, I'm trying to gather my thoughts and I, I physically can't get that out. So until I've kind of got all my stuff sorted out, I, I can't feel like I physically can talk to someone about it, if that makes sense. But just the fact that I've let someone know that I am struggling, it's, I mean, it's sometimes it's just an arm around the shoulder or like, you know, a shoulder to cry on or someone just to take you out or just, to, it's just little things like that. But obviously no one's going to know that if there's no signs whatsoever. I completely agree with you, but in the world, there are givers and there are takers. I am a massive giver, mm. and I'm a massive person who wants everyone to open up to them because I like to fix the world, so I want to fix every single person. Look, yeah. on this podcast, people have had episodes with uh, Heavy D, Paul Danan, who I fixed, and then they've gone away afterwards, and they've changed their way of life. Yeah. So when you say to me, I can't explain it, I'm still going to probe at you, and yeah. it might be, I had this scenario the other week, that someone I'm friendly with didn't want to talk about it and I got to talk about it because that problem shared is a problem halved aspect which not a lot of people know how to do so yeah. you might not know you might know what's going on but you can't get to that position of actually admitting it out loud yeah, because yeah. it's one thing saying in your head and that eats away at you but when you actually admit it and you're open about it that's a whole other can of worms to go through mm. yeah and it's I think again like it kind of comes down to a to recognizing sort of signs and signals with people as well sometimes it's just being aware um behavioral changes sort of subtle hints people behaving like I say behaving in different manners whether they're drinking more or being more recluse 
I mean, I'll give you an example. Obviously, I won't won't name any names because he's he's a friend and stuff. But a guy that I know recently, he 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 wasn't even like a close friend to be fair. He was a <coughs> he was more of um he was sort of a friend of a friend. But we always got on really well. And he put a picture up on his Instagram story, and I noticed in the background I could see um a box of sertraline tablets, which is the probably the most commonly prescribed um antidepressant on the market. And I saw it. And I don't think anyone else did because I messaged him and I said, "Mate, I said, are you are you all right?" I said, "No, is there, have you been struggling or anything?" I said, "I just like I said, look, I don't mean to to be nosy." I said, "But I've clocked this in the in the back of your photo. If you need, if you like, you know." And I gave him just a very brief overview of kind of what I've been through and when I used it before. And then the message I got back was literally, you know, was this huge, like a massive paragraph long. Half of it being so thankful that I'd even taken the time out to actually notice that there might have been something wrong, but the other half just explaining how he's been feeling. And it's that it's the first time he's ever felt this way. It's an unusual feeling, and he just doesn't really know what to do about it. Because it's so hard to ask for help, but once you start gaining the help, everything it just comes out. David, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so, so much for coming to talk to me, Johnny Sufit here. That's okay, the insecure. If you like what you heard, please do like the podcast, rate the podcast, and subscribe to the podcast. And make sure you tell one friend, because I cannot make this podcast successful without your help. Have you enjoyed yourself, David? Yes, I have. Thank you for having me, mate. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. Until next time, thank you, and goodbye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.